Welcome to the Gonzo Chronicles. I'm your host, Cyrus Alderwood, the official spokesman for Generation X. Stick around. It's going to get weird, as always. something really interesting happened while we were gone. They found cocaine in the White House. Big shock. Oh my god. So that's how everybody's staying awake over there and effing things up. Everybody's coked up. So seriously, this is like one of the most, this is the most highly protected place on the planet and they closed down the investigation and we still don't know whose cocaine that was. That was left so close to like where the president is. That I mean, come on. By not telling us whose coke it is, we all know whose cocaine it is. Let's just let's just be real. And if that's not the case, then how many cokeheads is in this freaking administration? No wonder everybody screws everything up over there. I don't know, man. What in the hell do you have to do? How much physical and visual evidence do you need? To convict somebody out of the White House of breaking the law. Like, the Hunter Biden laptop wasn't enough. I mean, this guy's like naked. Well, I've seen the edited version of of, uh, of pictures online like everyone else. So you mean this guy's sitting there with like underage girls with cocaine and he's naked and that's not child porn? Here's the ironic thing. Someone had put up all the, all the uh, text messages, like all the messages, emails, video and pictures from the Hunter Biden laptop up on a website. This is I, it's something that I read, so take this with a grain of salt. Go look it up for yourself. It, it, it's, I wouldn't doubt it. It's probably true. That they put up a website with all this data so everyone can go look at it if, if they dare to go look at it. And the website was taken down for containing child pornography. How in the hell is the guy not arrested? It's his stuff. Like, I don't understand what, like, I, I don't know. Well, we all know. We all know. But I guess it just sort of goes without saying. There's nothing you can't do in this administration, in the White House, to get arrested and go to jail. But God forbid you show up and protest somewhere and you'll end up going to jail for God knows how long if they don't like you. This is just insane. What a world we live in. So what do we need in this, in this big world, this big, bad, mean world full of commies on the left and a-holes on the far right <laughs> and then the bunch of commies in China trying to hack us every freaking day and bring down our culture and society. We need a hero, folks. We need a hero. We need our own Barry Dick in this world to make things right. I'm telling you. Now, I bring that up because I had, uh, I had the opportunity 
uh, last week to do a presentation before a, a Writers Guild talking about the anti-hero and its purpose uh, and how it shapes our storytelling. And by storytelling, I mean movies and literature, right? So I wanted to ask you guys, as you're listening, who is the greatest anti-hero of all time? So a hero, like, I don't know if you know this, but I'll just give you a brief definition. I typed this thing out and handed it out. Uh, we all know what a hero is. We're thinking to be a Superman, Spider-Man, you know, somebody like G.I. Joe, somebody who does the right thing for all the right reasons. Those are great characters and stories. We all need heroes in our stories. But sometimes our culture gets a little gray. And times change, and that cycles around, and we need an anti-hero. So an anti-hero is just a character in literature or movies that's missing the great wholesome qualities of a traditional hero. They lack in morality or values. They seldom play by the rules. They aren't villains of the story because they give us plenty of reasons to cheer for them. Uh, they are very complex characters with sketchy motivations most of the time. Although they save the day, so to speak, their methods of getting uh, to that point are sometimes outlandish, always questionable. Right? So I've jotted down some of uh, uh, some characteristics of these, but I'm going to go over like some of my favorite anti-heroes. You know, one of the most common in, I guess, modern movies and television uh, would be the mob, like, you know, the mafia. Michael Corleone was an anti-hero. He gave us plenty of reasons to cheer for him. We were sort of pulling for the Corleone family to be successful. But let's not forget who our hero is. He's a mobbed-up guy that has people whacked and breaks the law all the time, right? It's not like he's great for society and the rest of us nice people who play by the rules. He's a vicious guy. And he makes his living off the backs of other people, um, just like Tony Soprano. One of my favorite shows of the last 20 years are The Sopranos. Uh, I used to subscribe to HBO just when it was in season. And then once that season was over, I dropped it. I knew a ton of people that did that. But that was such a great show. And Tony Soprano was such a great anti-hero. Um, same thing with uh, Walter White from Breaking Bad. What I know a lot of people saw that uh, that series on FX, but again, classic anti-hero. The guy's turns out to be vicious. He's selling meth, man. For God's sake, we're pulling for this guy. Um, Dexter Morgan. How many of us watched that show, Dexter? I loved that show. But Dexter, if you haven't watched it, was a serial killer. But he had a code that his father taught him, and that code was that he would only kill people who deserve to die. Bad people. So he worked for the Miami Police Department and he had access to a lot of information. He would see how bad people would fall through the cracks and be back out on the streets. Those vicious mothers were the ones he would go kill. So, yeah, we were all sort of cheering on the serial killer. Kind of crazy how that works. My favorite anti-hero of all time has to be Han Solo. And I know, I know you're thinking, wait, whoa, hold on. Han Solo. Then he helped Luke blow up the Death Star. He was like the hero that, you know, along with Luke and Leia, he was the hero of that entire series of movies. That's true. But let's not forget that Han Solo, where he came from. Initially, he was just in it for the money. This guy was a former stormtrooper, current smuggler. He was in hock to all kinds of people like Jabba the Hutt, which is, let's face it, the version of the Corleone family on... Tatooine. 
So you have this guy who runs smuggling operations for all kinds of bad people. And then the only reason he saves the princess is because Luke's, Luke promises him a ton of money. And that's why. So, yeah, anti-hero all day long. So, uh, and same thing with his motivations even later on. Even in the newer films. He's still smuggling. He's still swindling people out of their money. So it's not like Han and Chewie were like the nicest people out there. Yeah, in a fight, you want in a pinch, you want them around. But I, but I love that character. And you know, when it comes to literature, I think one of the one of the main characters. Um, I have two two favorites. Huck Finn actually might be the first American antihero in literature. That's that's very interesting. I, I wonder if anybody any academics have ever written anything about that. That would be interesting to find out. My favorite one, Jay Gatsby. Yeah, what a tragic story in The Great Gatsby. But everybody won, Everybody loved Jay Gatsby. Everybody, you, you pulled for him so that Daisy would fall in love with him, but she was all wrong for him. But Jay Gatsby, as nice as he appeared, as great as he was to all his guests, and everybody loved to come over and party during that, that era of Prohibition, Jay Gatsby was also mobbed up. He was running booze, illegal booze, with the mob. So that's how he came into his mind. And, uh, you know, he, he was just a very much a, a flawed character, wanting, wanting things he wanted for all the wrong reasons. But he was so, you can empathize with this guy. We've all been there. So, yeah, the anti-hero, really fun stuff. Really fun stuff. Um, yeah, so back to the crack in the White House. Like, you know, I miss the 90s. I do, because, like, back then, the only thing you had to worry about going on in the White House was somebody getting a blowjob. Shout out to Bill Clinton. <laughs> but crack houses apparently are much nicer these days than they were back when I was in college. So, um, hey, in the meantime, since I haven't been uh, uh, on for a couple of weeks, I've developed an audible book addiction. And uh, so I've been listening to all kinds of great stuff. I finally got around to subscribing to Audible uh, so I can get all the free catalog and then a you know, good book once a month. Um so another thing I wanted to talk about, like Hollywood is on strike. And I noticed like the writers have been on strike for a while. And they said the people who are getting hurt most from that are the, are the late night shows. You know, the, I, I honestly, I don't even watch these, but the tonight show, who's the, who's the other guy who's a real asshole. <laughs> I forgot his name. It was probably a couple of them, but um, anyway, I haven't, I haven't watched, but uh you know, I thought these shows become less and less funny a long time ago. And I'm not sure I'm really going to miss it. There's so much streaming content out there that you can watch all this stuff and never get through a fraction of all this stuff before you die. I mean, how much, you know, there's a lot of content out there. We're always looking for new content. I feel bad for the people who, like, work in the industry that need to get by, not the, you know, not the super rich actors that are going to be just fine, but the people who work behind the scenes at, you know, it's, it's got to be a tough life. So hopefully they've got some things to fall back on while everyone's on strike. Um, but on Netflix recently, I did watch a really interesting show called 28 Days Haunted. So I'm trying to watch at least one movie a month or one movie a week so that I get my money's worth, you know. Um, 28 Days Haunted. Let me give you a quick review of this. It's just like some of those shows on Discovery or History or Travel Channel where you have these ghost hunter paranormal investigators that go into a place they'll investigate overnight they'll review their footage and blah 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 we've all seen a ton of these 
And sometimes they film them in different dramatic ways to give them a little bit more punch. But this one was uh, testing a theory by the Warrens, uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren, that if you really wanted to exercise something from a place, you had to stay through a lunar cycle somehow. I think that's what the point was. So that's why it's called 28 Days Haunted. These people had to go to this location and stay there for 28 days. And it was kind of interesting, but then it was in places it was cheesy. I'll be honest with you, it was only four episodes. I dozed off by accident during one of them. Um, but, you know, the cheesy thing at the end, uh, there was this, this man and woman that stayed in this, this business. And they had to sleep downstairs because she kept, she was a an empath or a medium and would feel uncomfortable upstairs and couldn't sleep. Something was trying to attack her while she was sleeping. So they moved the beds downstairs. And you had this other guy that was there, and he was a demonologist. And I guess he ended up having like heart issues and had to go to the hospital. But he came back so she wouldn't be there alone. And, you know, these people are actors, I guess. You know, so you don't know how much is staged. Yeah, you probably know everything's staged. But still, he gets back. And I guess when they go to the gravesite at the end, you know, they, they were asking, you know, I wonder if this demon is really gone or the spirit's really gone. And the guy looks over real mean at the camera as it's going out. And I'm like, dude, how cheesy. Like, are you hinting at season two? You know, but it was, you know, if you're bored and you like those kind of shows, eh, give it a try. But I, I was kind of bored with it. Um, I don't think, I didn't really care much for it. One other thing I want to mention today, um, there are some of you who, uh, like to write or know that I write and follow my work on Substack and my books on Amazon. But I've been doing something really interesting with a friend of mine. She's been on the show before. And uh, with Cherie, we've been doing this writing prompt challenge once a week. So at the beginning of the week, I have this, uh, this thing I bought from Amazon called the Storymatic. And it's just, you know, it's really just a block of cards. And you take out Two cards of one color. I'm colorblind, so it's a darker color, whatever color it is. Um, and it gives you two plot points. And then you take out a card from the other side. It's a lighter colored card, and it gives you the character card. So, for example, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I pulled the two cards were Fever. Um, where is everyone? Or where did everyone go? And then... Um, the uh, character card was, um, I, I forgot, I forgot what the character card was, um, but uh, anyway, I ended up writing a short story, not a short story, but a writing prompt, so I have some rules that we put down on this, like we, we'll, we'll write on Saturday, and, you know, based on those three cards, we come up with, with a short little short story in our mind or a scene. And on Saturday, we sit down at whatever time you want, and you write it. And we try to say, hey, you know, no more than two to four pages. Keep it short. We're not going to sit and write all day, write a full long story. And then when you're finished, you share it, errors and all, because it's a writing prompt. The, the, the purpose is to stretch your creativity and uh, expand your mind. If you're, if you're a writer and you write in a certain genre, Maybe you start trying to use these prompts to practice to write outside of a genre or somewhere where you're not so comfortable, and you can grow into that. So anyway, I brought it up to a few other writers, and I had quite a few that were interested in doing it this week. And I, it's Sunday. We're supposed to share them on Saturday. So uh, I had about eight to ten people 
Um, hopefully, at least two of them will come through. <laughs> but uh, I know Cherie's good for it. Um, but uh, so that we're on like week eight of this. And this has been incredibly fun. And the cool thing about it is you get to see how people's imaginations go in different directions. Like I might write something that's dramatic or like something like a, like a gate, like a Bates motel sort of thing from the movie psycho. And another person, uh, Cherie wrote something that was like a, a period piece from the late 1800s, like a Victorian. It was, it was really interesting. Um, just the different directions people can go from these writing prompts. And it just tells you, man, it really kind of like told me like, you know, I don't think, AI is going to be this creative for a while. That kind of creativity, I don't think you could build into a machine. So I've had a lot of fun with this. If there's anybody out there that wants to join in on this once a week, let me know. Drop me an email at cyrus.alderwood at gmail.com uh, or go to my Substack. It's cyrusalderwood.substack.com. I've actually been putting these prompts, uh, a couple of them up. So they read like short stories. But they're very, yeah, but they're short, you know, so you can read through them fairly quickly. And I, again, I leave errors in there. I include the errors and all so that people can kind of see this is what the prompt is. This is what they do. Um, so you can go back and clean it up if you want to and expand on it and write a short story if you want to. I've had so much fun with these. I'm going to expand. I know at least two of these so far and maybe get a collection of short stories to share in a book maybe uh, uh, early next year. So. Uh, this has been fun, and actually it's been productive. So if you're interested, let me know. But go check out my Substack, and if you want to read some anti-heroes, go check out Pot of Gold or the Gonzo Chronicles of Barry Dick on Amazon. Hey, thanks everybody for tuning in. I'll be back, and hopefully we won't be talking about cocaine. Cheers. <laughs>